Well, good afternoon, good morning, and good evening to the podcast world. This is J.P. Gwynn and Kevin Williams with Cruise Control, Ask a Car Guy Anything, episode one of January 2019. Here we go. Uh, Our subject matter is going to be... Our subject matter for this episode is the future of automobiles in general. Lots of things going on at the North American Auto Show uh, over uh, during the next upcoming week and started last week. So lots of things to cover, lots of things to talk about, lots of worthy things to talk about. So we're just going to touch on quite a few of what's already been discussed there. Not so much on the future because they tend to keep that tight-lipped. But, you know, um, the awesome thing about speculation is that it's all speculation and it could be true, it could not be true, it could be right on the money, who knows. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, here we go. So what's new in the car world? I'm speaking from a very novice standpoint right now, and I'm going to tell my audience that, you know, I've only been in the car business for six very short years. And in those six years, the car industry has done a 180. It is completely different. Uh, we're looking at massive amounts of new technology, Kevin. We've got collaboration between manufacturers collaborating together, manufacturers coming out with innovative products, not to mention two or three other subject matters. You've got electric cars hitting the market heavy hitting the market. Uh, You've got a new way to buy a vehicle. Uh, You've got innovative ways to deliver vehicles via a vending machine. If you would have told me six years ago that someone's going to have a gigantic vending machine and you're going to be able to go pick your car out and watch it come down through a vending machine, I would have said you're crazy. I mean, there is so much going on in the world today with the automotive industry. It's unbelievable. The millennials, I love them to death. Sometimes I hate using that terminology because I don't like to brand people, but that age group of people, they are in for a ride of their life because they're at the cusp of what's changing and what's moving forward and where we're going at. Rivian. Let's start with Rivian, an Uh, electric truck. A full-on electric truck. Tesla kind of hinted at theirs, uh, I think, last year when they introduced the Tesla Roadster. But theirs is more of a commercial application. Rivian, I think that's the brand name. I'm not entirely sure. There's another brand that's doing the same thing that are making a practical daily application for, I believe, it falling under the half-ton segment. Correct. Well, it's going to be a mid-sized truck. Now, Rivian acquired a rundown, abandoned Mitsubishi plant just outside of normal, normal Illinois. And this is a manufacturer in the U.S., okay, going to be manufacturing an electric truck. Now, the other competitor is, uh, I believe, Altia. And they're another electric manufacturer of a truck. And... When you talk electric vehicles, that subject, we are not going to dive into it right now because that is a subject for like 
four episodes of a podcast. Uh, there is so much going on, but I'm going to give you a quick snippet of what's happening. You've got electric trucks that now are going to have 700, maybe 800 horsepower and well over 2,000 foot-pounds of torque because your electric engine uh, is coupled to a so-called transmission that has no power band, what they call a power band. It's just a straight shot from point A to point B, which is how fast can you go. Uh, Altia is going to be doing a subscription service. Yes, <laughs> there's a little pause there. You're not going to lease it. You're not going to buy it. You're not going to finance it. You're going to subscribe to the vehicle. So it's called a vehicle subscription. And what those vehicle subscription services entails is the cost of the vehicle, years of ownership, insurance, and some maintenance given to the vehicle. So you're going to pay for a subscription like a magazine or a newspaper. Now in Sweden, they launched this a year ago and they are subscribing to vehicles <coughs> in, in, in Sweden. And for them, uh, I don't know if we'll do it in the US because it's kind of a, an alternative idea. They'll provide some maintenance, the insurance and so forth, like I said. And in the winter time, you'll give the company a call and they'll come over to your flat or your apartment or your countryside home and they'll change your summer tires to your winter tires and store everything for you. So what do you think about that, Kevin? Yeah, sounds like to me, I mean, if they're doing it in Sweden, it probably won't catch on in the U.S., but, ah. but Volvo was a pretty big Swedish thing and it's caught on here in the U.S., so who knows with that? It, it, it might catch on, it might not. Uh, Flex Drive is based out of Dallas, Texas. And right now, you can do a subscription to, I think, a Prius, a Corolla, a Camry, and a uh, Chevy Malibu, maybe, and some other vehicles. And Buick LaCrosse, you can subscribe to, and you can get vehicle subscriptions on several vehicles right now in the Dallas area. It's called FlexDrive. It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting concept. Uh, I've talked to a couple of the uh, uh, younger friends in my circle, uh, especially uh, at the brewery, and they're they're very very interested in a vehicle subscription because it's you get in and out of the vehicle in a couple of years and there's no depreciation cost. Uh, you it's a one stop shopping thing where you get the car, the insurance, and maintenance taken care of. Yeah, it could be a good thing in the in the long run for for younger buyers who don't necessarily have the money up front to buy a vehicle, right. but have have the uh, the career path or the, or the career management skills to effectively manage their money and have all that stuff, instead of bogging themselves down with the car payment, insurance, all this stuff with the intent of ownership, they do that money, they use that money on something they can get out of relatively with ease instead of being locked into a contract for four or five, six years and have to deal with all the costs that come along with it instead of just like basically just like leasing a phone nowadays. Uh, exactly. It's like yeah. leasing a phone. 
Do you remember back in the day when your dad paid uh, AT&T to lease a phone? The one that used to hang up on the wall? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, they would come in, and if the phone messed up or their dialer didn't work, you'd call AT&T up, and they'd run to your house, and they'd install a new phone in your house. And I'll never forget when they, they came to the house, and they actually uh, changed the rotary dial to a push-button dial because we got a new phone, and we were so excited. And uh, he gave us, like, a 15-foot uh, cord to attach the receiver to the base, and so you could walk all over the house just about with this handheld device right. which is what we commonly call it you know mobile now so we were somewhat mobile around the house but yeah vi- things that you've subscribed to for years i mean you subscribe to a newspaper you, you do magazine subscriptions you're doing netflix so it's inevitable that they would find another way to purchase and i use that term loosely purchase or at least have a vehicle you're going to subscribe to it it's a vehicle subscription it's exploding right now okay what do you got kev so one of the topics we wanted to hit on uh you might have heard if you read motor trend road and track or whatever is how ford managed to phase out their whole suite of what we would call a sedan and in favor of their crossover lineups now. So if you're a Ford guy, you will not be seeing the Taurus, the Fusion, the Focus, or the Fiesta after either the 19 model year or the 20 model year. I'm not entirely sure, but within the next calendar year, so they'll be gone and uh, in favor of every, uh, they're being phased out for production of their crossover vehicles. So the Echo Sport, the Escape, the Edge, the Explorer, and the Expedition. Now, those are going to be favored more. Uh, I guess all the all the production with the sedans is being phased out in general for those in favor of all that. So you'll be seeing less and less of those and more and more of the Expedition, the Escape, if you're a Ford guy, or in favor of new products they have coming out in the future. So if you're a Lincoln guy, uh, the Nautilus, and the new Aviator that's slated to come out sometime this year. So that's where all those, all those sedans, those tiny little economical cars that you're used to seeing, that's where they're all going to go for. At least for Ford, um, GM phased out some of their sedans. Uh, there's six that are being phased out. Uh, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. They have very little to offer in that segment, anyways, in favor of all. The, of all their crossovers. So over the last three years, there's been a phase out in what we would call the four-door sedan in favor of smaller, more utilitarian vehicles such as crossovers. Well, yeah, Chevy's losing the, the Volt and uh, the Impala, and Buick's losing the LaCrosse. So are we are we in a era, an era of automotive manufacturing where the family sedan is gone? Um mainstream I believe so you still have the the foreign market still pushing them out quite well so Kia Hyundai uh, Honda so Acura be a sub-brand of that you know those guys pump out those those sedans very well Toyota uh, Nissan they're still in the market for that at least in the foreseeable future so if you're a 
domestic sedan buyer, you might be looking to the foreign market to get your fix. Right. So what do we see on the foreign side, Kevin? Are we saying, let's be clear though, are we talking, let's be clear with our audience. A sedan being a six-passenger, four-door car. Five or six passenger, yeah. Right. So we're looking at perhaps just Mercedes and BMW. In the luxury segment, yeah. Uh, Rolls-Royce, of course, too. Um, but if for your normal, everyday, practical driving, if you're, if you're conscious about money or don't have a lot of it to spend, Nissan, Toyota, Kia, or Hyundai are still going to be your best bets in that market. And the Cadillac CT6 and the XTS are gone. Uh, what's sad is that the XTS is Cadillac's breadwinner. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they sold more XTSs in the last couple of years than, than anything. Exactly. And Over 13,000. And to get rid of that in the middle of, a, I guess, a, a renaissance is just saying that Cadillac is more uh, focusing more toward the electric vehicle, like you had headed on with these electric trucks. So. And who knows, this may become what we call a full circle effect where things go away and come back. They may be, I am sure... Speaking from an engineering standpoint, I am sure that they've got tons of designs on the table right now that they're working on. There would be nothing like having an electric six-car sedan. I think that would be the bomb if they could figure that out. Well, the CT6, is there. they were working on a hybrid powertrain for it, so that they may be favoring production for that while it's still... While it's still a thing, and uh, the reshuffle for GM with the cruise going bye-bye, the Impala, the LaCrosse, the Volt, the CT, uh, the XTS, rather. I mean, manufacturers in general are returning to their roots, I believe. Um, what got them on the map in the first place for focusing more on their performance aspect, the new GT500. Uh, all their their performance mining are going into that. Cadillac is focusing more on luxury and innovation. Um, uh, GM as a whole just kind of did the whole. They're developing vehicles for for every level of buyer. Period. Uh, FCA, which is Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, they did the same thing when they reshuffled a few years ago. Um, Toyota, Nissan, they've always been about that, and they're taking steps to okay. ensure that. Okay, all right. So, that being said, dig deep. What does this mean for the automotive industry in the future? What are we doing? Are we just trying to reinvent the wheel? What's going on? Are you telling me that coming out with electric vehicles, and then all of a sudden we're going to be building hot rods? I mean, every time I turn around this past couple of weeks, Here's another hot rod at the auto show. The Supra came back. The Toyota Supra came back. I mean, we're we're in a we're in this kind of a, a tornado, this whirlwind of, well, I want I want to be economically sound. I want to have an electric vehicle. I want to save the world. I want to hug all the trees. And then all of a sudden, you turn around and here's this beautiful hot rod coming out of the the New York Auto Show and it's like holy cow we've got the the Ford GT 
Ford GT still going strong. The GT500 Mustang, like I said, the Supra. Uh, at least Ford and the new Hellcat Red Eye. That's uh, another one, the Hellcat Red Eye. I mean, it's like, where does all the... Where do all these manufacturers sit? Are they just scrambling for market share? Is that what we're looking at? Are they just really trying to be so innovative that they're trying to bring people from the dark side over to their brand? Well, if you look at the general trend of, I guess you can say, performance manufacturers, like Ford and uh, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, we'll just call them FCA, the Hellcat Red Eye, the new Edge ST, the new Explorer ST that's coming out here that was introduced at the auto show, and the new Red, the Hellcat Red Eye, the Demon. Uh, like all those guys are pumping out horsepower for the more sporty enthusiast driver because I believe that's the future of the of the enthusiast, the the actual driver, you know, with. The advent, like you hit on with millennials being more prone to, you know, start families early, but still have their young and wild side. They would want something. It stands to reason anyway, that they want something fun to drive, but safe, and an effective people mover. So you have SRT building the Durango, SRT, uh, the Durango SRT, the Trackhawk uh, Grand Cherokee, uh, the. New Explorer ST that has over 400 horsepower. That's it. You 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 nailed it right there. You're you're in a crossover. Not an SUV, but you're in a crossover with 400 horsepower. So what is going on? Are are we back to the 60s and 70s where you can go to the showroom and check out a car and it's basically ready to hit the racetrack? Me, me as one of these people that I, I, I'm happy that vehicles like this are coming out because you combine the, the enthusiast thrill of having a muscle car or something with a lot of, lot of thrill behind it, but also having the practicality and the safety of, of something that can protect your family. Like most of these crossovers now have full-on suites of driver assist tech, like blind spot monitoring, lane keep assist, collision alert pedestrian braking they oh have my. all this stuff oh my gosh don't even don't even start talking about technology we'll be here for an hour it's amazing everything that's coming out there is so much coming out on the market today that I literally have to carve an hour out of my day to sit down and read some automotive journalism expert advice and look towards the future and say okay what do I have to be prepared for what am I looking at next and when they came out with uh, adaptive cruise control with pedestrian al alert, and that entered the market so fast, uh, my head's spinning because I'm telling you right now, it's just amazing what's on the tip of the iceberg for the automotive industry. And what's amazing is that it's not necessarily one manufacturer doing it. It's not just GM, it's not just Ford. They're collaborating amongst themselves to make these products. GM and Ford, if you're a fan of trucks, this new 10-speed automatic that you see in the F-150s now and that you're seeing across the next generation, well, current Gen Sierra and Silverado, that, those were collaborated between Ford and GM. The new Toyota Supra is between Toyota and BMW. What? 
Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> Stop right there. Hello, podcast world. Did you hear that? Do you know that that actually happened? That General Motors and Ford worked together to engineer and design the new 10-speed transmission. So what have they been doing in the past that we don't know about? Are we looking at the three big manufacturers coming together in 20 years and being the manufacturer of the U.S.? Are the three manufacturers always going to be the three manufacturers? Are they always going to compete with each other? What are we talking about? This is crazy. It's 2019. We're less than 11 and a months and five days away from saying it's 2020. What's going to be the future? The future for the automotive industry is so uncertain right now. It's so crazy what's happening. There are more cars on the road than there have ever been before. And I think this is the answer. I read a study about two years ago about old cars. And right now, to this day, there are still more cars on the road that are 12 years old or older with over 200,000 miles on them. People still are driving grandma's car, grandpa's car, grandpa's car that got handed down to the first kid that went to college. There are a lot of old cars on the market right now, on the street, being driven, being fed oil and gasoline. I think what's happening is I think these manufacturers see that and they're scrambling to come up with innovative products to feed the necessary cars that are going to be bought in the next 10 years. I don't think the, the car selling industry is going to slow down at all. It's going to become a necessity for eventually some of these people to get rid of these cars and step into the modern world and buy something. Um, it, it's and To me right now, the where they're aiming, where they're angling is that the third row crossover or the third row SUV, however you want to describe it, Kia, Hyundai, Volkswagen, Nissan, they're all in the mix for their share of the third row pie. You know, Cadillac came out with their, their first uh, third row SUV that's not the Escalade. Uh, GM has four, every single brand has this third row uh, crossover. Ford has the Explorer. Um, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram has the the Durango and the Grand Cherokee. Like you just have all these manufacturers angling for that piece of the pie, and that's where I I believe the future of automobile manufacturing and thus leading towards sales and marketing is going to lead something big enough to carry, you know, the your spouse you know, the kids and the weekend getaway or something like that, but at the same time, small enough and economical enough to be an effective people mover in terms of fuel economy and cost. So what caused that? Where did that come from? Why, why are these third row family hauling vehicles all of a sudden so popular? Is everybody having babies? Is everybody getting married? Is it hip to be square now? I guess so. Well, I guess <laughs> What's so. What's going on? Well, furthermore, gas prices are somewhat sustainable. Uh, having Amarillo, I think it's like a dollar eighty. So average. we're looking at a mix of things happening. Fuel economy is decent. Price on gasoline is different. So therefore, manufacturers are taking advantage of this and building these huge monstrosity of a vehicle. You know, I mean, here you are sitting 
down looking at a here we have a 2013 GMC Yukon Denali driving right past us you know and now I can sell one for nearly 90,000 who knows what it's going to be when they roll out the 2020 version of the new Yukon Denali XL version that's going to be 92 at least I mean, what are we looking at? Are our families coming back all of a sudden? People getting married and having a dozen kids and I gotta haul everybody around and go to the soccer game? I, I think what it really is, is that for, for that very reason, people are having families, they're having multiple children or at least two, but they don't want something so big where it's not necessary, but not anything so small where they're wishing they hadn't spent the money. And that's where the third row niche is. Uh, I guess it's the it's the Goldilocks uh, market show, market right there. It's something big enough to haul everything you need to, right. but something small enough where you don't need all that space. And manufacturers now are becoming pretty privy to uh, how to how to engineer a powertrain that takes advantage of the right. size and have the economy to go along with it. Okay. At a reasonable trade. So, Kevin, great idea. Good idea on the, on the uh, podcast. We're, we're loving it. So as we said in the beginning, folks, this is going to be part one of a two-part series. So if you want to hear back from us or if you have questions, uh, please look for our contact information in our link to our podcast. Uh, to kind of wrap this up, Kevin, in, in a synopsis, are you amazed as much as I am amazed at that when you sit back and you look at what's in front of us with the automotive industry, are you kind of amazed it's what's happening right now? Because for me personally, while you gather your thoughts, for me personally, what I see on the horizon is just a cornucopia of different things coming right at us. Electric vehicles, gigantic large crossovers, sports cars coming back into the age of where everybody wants one all of a sudden. Grandma wants a Hellcat. I think it's definitely a renaissance of sorts. Um, being being in the position that we are now with gas prices being where they are and there's enough attainability to conceivably have all these options available to you. So it's definitely a renaissance to have that choice because initially you had one one or two different things. Either you got a small car or you got a big one. It's just the way they were built. And then gradually over time, you get introduced to these middle segments and then you see this new segment with the crossover become a thing. And you see electric cars be a thing, hybrid vehicles be a thing. It's being in a day and age now where you have all those options and then you be able to branch out further from those options is a good thing for the automotive industry. So and that's just my two cents. It's a good thing to have it all, but at the same time it can be very, very confusing. Well, there you have it, folks. I think Kevin nailed it. Options. People want options. I think it's uh, inevitable in today's market that you're going to expect to have options. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it certainly would be nice if you'd be able to go to a dealership or a showroom or however you're going to purchase a vehicle. It'd be so nice to be able to walk in there 
And from a standpoint from selling vehicles, I would love it. I think clients would love it. But having options is something that I think people really want when you come down to it and you're spending that kind of money. I think people feel that they should have options. And, and maybe that's where this is driving everything towards. By the way, I didn't mean to throw a pun in there, but that's what I, I mean, if you want to say that, we're, we're driving towards people having options. And for for all we know, you know, in, in, in a short five years, let's say a, a short five years, there might be a way you can go to the manufacturer's website and get your Cadillac with dark tan seats and a bright orange headliner, if that's what you want. I mean, people want options. They want to be able to say, I want this and I want that. I want to put it together and I want it to be a vehicle and I want to be able to drive it and I want it to be electric or I don't want it to be electric. I want to have a diesel or whatever. There are so many options on the table. By the way, we didn't even touch on the all new new engines that are coming out with the GMC Sierra. So maybe we can do that next podcast on part two. So let's wrap this up, Kevin. Any closing thoughts? Uh, definitely a lot of stuff going on. I've you are a gearhead of sorts if you just like cars in general if you work at a dealership if you sell or work on them there's a lot of stuff coming that you'll probably need to know or at least want to know moving forward with your hobby or profession uh, we look to give you guys all this information as we get it or as it becomes available to us and like we're with you guys we, we want to keep up on, on the things that we love and sometimes it's it's a it's a fast moving industry now, just like computers were back in the early two thousands. Fast moving industry, a very high pace, very fast pace. So you got to stay on top of it, or you get left behind. So, good closing thoughts. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you to our audience, and as always, thank you to Amarillo National Bank and our wonderful sponsor, Palace Coffee House. We certainly do appreciate the use of the studio, and as always. Blessings to you and your family. Everybody have a great week, and we hope to see you soon on the uh, podcast coming up next, part two of what's in the future for the automotive world. Like JP had a best, we look forward to, to bringing you all this information, speculation, whatever you want to call it. In our next episode, well, guys, uh, we'll see you soon. And don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'll always get back to you. Uh, other than that, we hope to... Have- Then you have a great day, great week, and we'll look forward to you next time. Thank you all so much.